Father, we thank you, Lord, for the word of God. We thank you, Lord, for the move of God in this house. We thank you for the anointing, Lord, because without the anointing, Father, we can do nothing. Holy Spirit, anoint this house as you have. Fall down like dew from heaven upon each and every spirit. Tingle our ears, Lord, with the things of God. Excite us as we get truths and as we learn to walk even stronger on our paths of destiny. We bless you for that, Lord. Bless each and every person here, there, and everywhere. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Well, a little shout out to some people wherever you are. I know some of you are uh, quarantining. You know, I know uh, um, Laura Lee's still quarantining. She's fine. Thank you for your prayers and questions. You know, that, that woman's strong. And uh, she was like down one day and that was it. And uh, after that, we couldn't hold her down. And she's been up and going. I'm sure she's watching. I do want to pray for uh, uh, your, your, your father. How's he doing? He get, he's getting better? Dave, we're praying for you, and uh, we're believing God's just going to recover you completely and no lingering effects. And everybody that's like that, uh, our son-in-law, Joe Russo, hit his lungs pretty strong. Um, Pastor Patty, pray for Pastor Patty, uh, and especially for Pat, her husband. Uh, Pat was in a very bad way in the hospital. I know they're trying to send him home. His oxygen levels were way, way down, and um, there's not much they could do. Uh, she wouldn't allow them to put him on a ventilator, but God is restoring, so we just believe the Lord for that. And uh, we have so many, so many of you. I know once I start, I forget um, Jill. The name is Jill, Margaret's daughter, Jill in the hospital on a ventilator, right? So we want to ask the Lord to just touch her and heal her. And everybody, let's just, uh, let's just pray. Ralph, would you grab a microphone and lead us in prayer for healing? And, and while you're doing it, uh, pray for my left ear because when I, when I sat down up here, it went completely out. I can't hear anything out of this ear right now. I was blaming JP. I said, I can't hear anything. I can't hear anything. So I don't know if you heard me in the house or not. I, I couldn't hear anything while I was playing. But, but most so pray for the people that need it the most. Father, we thank you this morning. We come here with an expectation, anticipation, Lord, that you're, you're desiring to hear from us, that you want to speak to us. Also, Lord, that you want us to speak to you, Lord. So we've come with prayer requests and supplications this morning. You know the names, Lord, those that are dealing with sickness and infirmities, Lord. We, we lift them up to you right now, to, the, to Jehovah Rapha, the one who can heal, wants to heal, and is able to heal. So we thank you, Lord, right now that you're touching those that are dealing with sickness in their lungs, respiratory disease. We come against that right now in the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Jehovah Rapha, that you're, that you're answering these pleas right now. We thank you for, for the way that you're coming in. And if it's a spirit of COVID, Lord, that you're, you're casting and grabbing that spirit and pulling it off those that is trying to attack, Lord. We bind that spirit in this house in the name of Jesus Christ. For those who gather here, those that gather online, and those associated with us all, we bind that spirit of COVID right now in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord. We thank you that you're destroying it, that you're, you're wiping it off the face of the earth as far as it concerns those that you love, your saints, and those are who we are, Lord. So we thank you for that. We thank you for a returning of hearing in the left ear of our apostle, Lord. But more so, Lord, we thank you that he hears in the spirit, he sees in the spirit, he knows in the spirit what you desire to use him for, to share with us, to speak to us. 
that's relevant and right in our lives. So we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you right now that you're doing the work that only you can do. Do what you're famous for in these situations, Lord. We, we lift these up to you. We trust you with them. We have no other that we would call on but you, Lord. Even doctors, we thank you for them. Even nurses, we thank you for them. Even medication, we thank you for some of the medication, Lord. But, but above all, we put our trust and faith in you. And we thank you right now that you're touching, you're healing, and you're giving the wishes and the desires of those that are reaching out to you, uh, the promises that you've, you've granted to them in your word. So we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen and amen. Bless the Lord. Whoops. My pointer. Well, we started on a little journey and a little discussion about some steps into destiny. And uh, I had identified that there are 10 steps that I wanted to point out. Uh, and the purpose of this is so that we can personally walk on the plans and purposes God has for us with a strategy. <clears throat> As I was in here praying early this morning, the Holy Spirit was having me intercede and pray for stratagems, for strategies. And how many of you know that, you know, everything that is successful has a plan and that that plan is typically a strategy. It starts off with a strategy and then the plan gets built. And a lot of times um, when it's in the secular world, the corporate world, or uh, in any kind of social structure, it's by people collaborating and come together with a strategy. And then there's unity of agreement. And that's where our strategies, our personal strategies, our personal spheres of influence merge with the corporate uh, strategies. Now, I had done a long study on the spheres of influence and the spheres of the kingdom of God. And basically, one of those things is, is that it would, uh, it would move in this sense. This is you, and... Uh, circular is a sphere, right? A sphere has no end and no beginning. So that's your life. Your life, really, you have multiple birthdays. How many of you know that? Um, you have three. Some of you could guess two. Your first birthday, you don't even know when it was. That was when your name was written in the book of life by the Lord God Almighty. And he said, up would come Glenn, up would come Cheryl, up would come Joe. And he had identified people that would manifest. Your next birth date was, really you have four, was when you were conceived in the womb. That's a birth date. Life is in the womb at conception. Have no doubt about it. Uh, we preach it, we stand with it, and now, I don't know if many of you saw or any of you saw uh, the release that I put out this week on POTA Shield, and it had to do with life. It had to do with the fact that it's, we're being called now to stand up on the front lines and to complete the plan and purpose that God gave us as a people. That plan and purpose started by many, many people. Uh, I'm certainly way behind the, the, uh, the ball between those who jumped on board that were pro-life when Roe versus Wade was first uh, uh, enacted 29 years ago. Uh, I wasn't even sensitive to that at that time. Uh, I, I've been in the Lord now over 40 years, but for those first nine years, I didn't even have a clue, didn't really care about that. It wasn't something that was rocking my boat. Uh, to be more honest with you, I was more concerned about other selfish things in my life. And, uh, but as we all came on board, there became a unity. And the Lord gave us a vision. He gave me a vision. 
And I specified that. Most of you know it. There's a date on that vision. It was November 9th. There's a time on it. It was specifically 3.30 a.m. in the morning. And that vision was of the Supreme Court. And as I saw the Supreme Court, I saw what I knew and was familiar to me. It was a besom. A besom in the Hebrew is a broom. And I had seen the vision of the broom of destruction a long time ago, back in 1980 to be specific, in my home on the north side of Youngstown on Selma Avenue. Uh, when I was locked up with the Lord for about a year, he gave me many visions, and I saw the besom, the broom. So when, and he told me what it was. It was called besom, and then I studied it. So I knew what that was when I saw it going up and down the pillars, the pillars. Well, the pillars are what? The pillars of the Supreme Court uh, their, their law for this land. That's why there's pillars there. They're pillars of justice. And the people of the pillars of justice are the Supreme Court justices. We have nine of them. And on that date at 3.30 in the morning, the Lord spoke to me very clearly. And he said that this president, this man that I have just put in, will have three appointments. Well, one we knew. Everybody knew because he ran on that. When if I, he says, if I get elected, I'm going to appoint this vacant seat that was held open for almost a year, held almost a year. Now, some can say it was politics. We know it was the hand of the Lord that kept that seat open for a year. And the minute he was in, he began that process, and we had one Supreme Court justice. And it was a bitter battle, was it not, for Kavanaugh? I mean, it was probably the nastiest uh, hearing there ever was for a Supreme Court justice until the next one came along. And when he came along, then we understood it got even worse. And the Lord said at that point there would be 30. He said three. And we were sort of wondering what's going on here because the end of that first term was coming and there wasn't even a vacancy. And then all of a sudden the Lord took home Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I don't know where she went, but he took her. And uh, in that basis, as you know, she was a very, very adamant supporter of abortion rights. And God vacated that seat and put somebody in that seat literally a week before the election. A week before the election. God fulfilled his promise of three. And his, his commitment was this. His commitment was, he said, if you, if you will pray, I will accomplish what I've said I will do. Tell, and this was a declaration, and it was published. It was published that morning of November 9th, and many times thereafter, and up until the inauguration and thereafter, published in many, many publishings, ridiculed that there would be three appointments, and that was a declaration, and that was calling forth an edict for, for the lawyers, for the people to begin to bring the cases in the lower courts with the states, and that by the time they made it to the Supreme Court, this was exactly the word of the Lord that he gave me that I shared. By the time they get there, I will have in place my justices, and they will annul that law, and we will quit killing the children in this land. Well, we're there. We're there. And on December 1st, the, the, uh, the, the ruling from Mississippi, the state of Mississippi, will be heard, and it will be heard in the Supreme Court. Now, I would love to tell you, if you read the news media, how many of you know you really can't believe the news media? There's only one media you can believe. His name's a media. And the other ones, don't believe them because they'll lie to you. I promise you I won't lie to you. I fear God too much to lie to you. I'd rather say nothing than to lie to you. And so I don't even lie to myself, and that's a big one, right? 
I mean, I'm very hard on myself about stuff. And um, the news media will tell you that there's six conservative justices, but they're not. That's a lie. The chief justice is not conservative. He's gone cuckoo on us. And he's out there somewhere, and he keeps voting for things based on precedent. For him, precedent is more important than principle. And we want justices, and we want laws in the land that are based upon principle, and the principles of God, first of all. And how about just the principles of what's moral and right? Killing babies is wrong. I don't care what you say your religion is or isn't. Killing the unborn children, there can't be a more defenseless human being than an unborn child. Now, as I was saying to you, you have four births. The first one was when God thought about you, whenever that was, whenever he created you, before time was, he says. And uh, the second one was when you were conceived in the womb. The third one was when you came out of the womb. And your fourth one was when you are born again. You have four birthdays. That's your last birthday. The next transition has nothing to do with birth. That's just being absent from the body to be present with the Lord. And it's just... All, all you're doing is transforming. From the moment that you've become born again, yours is a transforming from a glory to a glory. It's not a birth anymore. You are moving from a glory to a glory. I want you to do something with me very prophetic right now. I'd like you to just uh, put your hands this way, both of them. And, and I want you to just say, we're going to move from glory to glory and move from glory to glory. Now believe it, I'm moving from glory to glory. I'm moving from glory to glory. I'm going, listen, I'm going onward and upward. I'm going onward and upward. I'm going onward and upward to my high calling. Say, to my high calling. Say it like you mean it. To my high calling Finally, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Give the Lord a hand, please. You see, I, I tend to believe, and I, and I don't mean this sarcastically, I honestly don't, and I'm, I honestly don't mean this um, arrogantly, but I tend to believe that because of the teachings that come from this church and from this ministry, that if you take these in, and if you believe them and put them in action in your life, you are steps ahead of the vast majority of the body of Christ as it comes to preparing the way for the coming of the Lord. Many people are just waking up to that now. Many people have lived their ministries, have lived as pastors and leaders and in churches, understanding that the Lord's coming, but really not with an expectancy, not with an urgency. In fact, we know there's been many teachings that would try to dissuade people from being expectant. But the Lord tells us that we need to keep our oil in the lamps filled. Isn't that right? That if we fall asleep, our oil would not be enough so that when the bridegroom comes, we won't have enough oil in the lamp to even know he's there. I want us to be filled with oil. And as I was praying in here again this, this morning, the Lord reminded me. He said, son, many people are seeking and asking, what is my message? What is my message? Now, I've told you before, I have a lot of respect for different specialties of ministry. There are people called to give a faith message. They give it better than I ever shall. I'm better off to listen to theirs if I need to hear about faith. There's some who give a wonderful message on love. 
I was under the tutor of probably one of the best teachers there could be, old Len Evans on love. He, he filled me with the love message from the moment I got saved till the moment he passed. His wife would used to have to ask me to leave his house at midnight because the guy was getting old and I would wear him down as we would talk about love and glory and saturated. I've been blessed. I could never, never shine his shoes on a message of love. There are people that talk about healing and healing and more healing. And, 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 and we have the healing gift. We have it in this house. But that's what they're called to do. But the Lord said to me, son, this is what I've called you to do. And when you preach it, you will find a greater anointing on it wherever you go. And that is repentance to repair, prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. The Elijah spirit is one about repentance. People want to give it everything else. They want all the power of Elijah without the repentance of Elijah. They want to see and make, a, make waves like John the Baptist did to prepare the way, but without a message of repentance. Any church, any calling, any pastor that moves without a message of repentance, calling people to repentance is off the mark. Forgive me, but they're off the mark. Because we must not only repent one time to be saved, we must walk in a cloak of humility, of repentance. And that's the anointing. That's what activates the anointing of God, is turning back from those things. And so, the Lord called us, and called us specifically, and that was the birth of Poda Shield, called us specifically to lift up that shield, yes, for Israel. The things that were prophesied about Israel all came true. They all came true within that term. The embassy was moved. I think most of you know I wrote that part of Trump's speech about moving the embassy and the other things about Israel. He enacted it. I don't think he did it because he had this great passion about Israel. He did it because he realized that, that Christians got excited about it. Jews got excited about it. Some of the Jews... How, how many of you know that there's a whole group of Jews that don't even care about Israel? How many of you know that? Just because you're Jewish doesn't mean you love Israel. No. And just because you're Christian doesn't mean you are. There's a whole bunch of Jews and a whole bunch of Christians that don't have it right about the God of Israel. So, but that is not our main call. God is going to take care of Israel. And at some point in my life, I'll allow to have a greater voice there. But right now, our call is to the body of Christ to repent. Listen to me, to the body of Christ to revent. How can we get people saved and bring them into a sick bride? Where do we bring them to? What do we tell them to go to? What teaching do we tell them is true and untrue? I mean, think about it. For those of us who've been in the Lord for a while, we had to sort through a whole bunch of stuff to find out truth. We had to unlearn a whole bunch of stuff that came denominationally and other stuff into us. I used to be a little afraid of, of telling people, listen, let that go, that's a talisman. Let that go, that's a superstition. Let that go, that's man's teaching. I got bold and I got bolder. I remember one time, you know, the Lord moved with me. There were miracles going in France down by the, down by the sea. My wife was with me. We were there in a tent meeting. I was asked to preach. Miracle power held out. People were getting healed. And after the first night, they were all excited. It was supposed to be a five-day crusade. Five-day crusade. Well, somebody happened to ask me a question in the afternoon on the, on the ask the, the question uh, scene and scenery to me. I guess I was supposed to be an expert on a bunch of stuff. All I wanted to do was praise the Lord and get people healed and, 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 and evangelize in the middle of France. How many of you know France is a very tough place to preach? One of the toughest I've been in. It was tougher to preach in than the old Soviet Union was. 
I was there too in the old Soviet Union. It's a tough place, man. There's a spirit that is, that, there's some good Christians in France, but as a nation and as a country, that thing's got a spirit going in it that is very, very, very difficult. And so uh, they got, I, I, somebody asked me, you know, they said, Frank, what do you, you know, when, when do you think the rapture is? Pre, mid, or post? I said, uh, let me see, pre when I was on the farm was before the goat was born. Um, mid was when the goat was in mid uh, gestation period. Post was after the goat was born. They said, what are you saying? I said, that's about how ludicrous talking about the rapture is. I said, because it's really not in your Bible. I said, so show me it in the Bible and ask me the question again. So then somebody else stood up, so you don't believe in the rapture? I said, not the way it's taught. No, that's garbage. I said, it, what it's doing is having people become excited about something that isn't what their eyes are supposed to be on. Our eyes are supposed to be on, first of all, ourselves, on fulfilling the body of Christ and expecting the Lord Jesus to come. And guess what? No matter what I read in the Scripture, nowhere there does it say He's coming three times. Nowhere there. But you ask a Christian, is He coming? Oh, no, He's not coming three times. He's coming back for His church. Oh, but he's just going to leave all the Jews and other people behind that don't have an understanding about Christ. And who's supposed to preach after that? The guilty ones? The unrepentant ones? Who's supposed to preach? And for me, it was really inflicting because, you know, coming forth with my prayer that got me saved was, Lord, I want to preach to my people. I want to help lead my people, my Jews, back to the Lord. Well, guess what? If there's nobody left to talk to them, what's supposed to happen? Well, just the, the bad Jews, they just need to go through hell on earth for about three years. Pick it, pick it. seven years, three years, all the years, pre, post, mid. You see, I used to be a little intimidated about that. It got me thrown out of the crusade in France. The pastor came to me and he said, unless you recant that because we believe in that so much, I can't have you go back up. I said, really? He said, yeah. I said, I'll dust my shoes. I'm out of here. And by the way, he didn't preach for more than six months to a year after that. Gone. Gone. Not because, you know, he, he, he came against me. He came against the anointing. There's an anointing of God that you have. So that when people oppose you in the things of God, in the things of God, they're in a very dangerous place because of the anointing. That's why we have to have grace and mercy and compassion. That's why you read the Pauline epistles and I was even praying about this early this morning. I said, Lord, how did Paul ever keep that balance of being so strong and Peter so strong and Moses so strong in you and Jesus? You know, it says in Acts that Jesus received the anointing of the Father, then went about healing and teaching. He got the anointing first. How many of you know that? Jesus received the anointing first. Don't think that he was anointed from the womb in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. He was not. He received the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Even though God calls people before the womb, there, there's a point of anointing in our lives, and that anointing moves from a glory to a glory, and the anointing increases, and we have to take steps within that anointing. One of the steps that God's calling us to right now is to take that step with Him, moving from that glory of everything He's already done, I mean, how can I not believe that God's going to bring this to completion when he's already done what was absolutely amazing and made no logical sense politically whatsoever? You know, I, 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 sometimes it's a curse and sometimes it's a blessing. 
but my, my, one of my degrees is in political science. So I'm qualified to say I'm a political scientist. And I do. I'm, I follow politics quite strong. I'm usually pretty good at gauging it and reading it. And politically, politically, there was no way that this one president would have three appointments. Politically, it shouldn't have happened. But in God's time, it did. Let alone that those three appointments would somehow be approved. Because how many of you know just because someone calls their conservative doesn't mean that they're pro-life? Hmm? How many of you know that? How many of you know that the majority of people that call themselves Christian are not pro-life. Do you know that? Do you know that? And how many of you know that, it's, that it's, it's, it, it crosses into denominations? How many of you know there are many denominations that don't want to touch it? Because it's political, really? It's political? Could you imagine if, if when God, and, and by the way, when people didn't listen to God and he said, destroy your enemies, they, they paid a price when they didn't do it in those days, didn't they? He required their lives of them. Now, thank God we live under grace and mercy. We're not supposed to go out and kill our enemies, but we are supposed to expose the enemies of God, and we are supposed to pray that down. And so there's a lot of justice that needs to happen and restoration within the body of Christ. I believe we're in that season, that season of judgment and restoration falling upon the body of Christ. Forget about the world. We're not qualified to judge the world. Only the Lord is. We're not qualified to even tell sinners that they're sinners in the sense that we've got too much sin as the body of Christ. If you and I are joined together, as we began to say, and, and this is you, and whoops, this thing always goes off, and this is you, and this is me, and there's a whole bunch of us in between, and we're the body, then what you do affects me, and what I do affects you, and what someone else does affects us. If there's such a thing as the body of Christ, then infected people within the body of Christ infects the body. What's the Lord say? The lump will destroy the whole. Take the lump out. We don't carve it out. The Lord does. We pray it out. We act it out. And we get very strong, and we don't compromise. We don't compromise. Let me tell you something. The greatest testimony you and I can have is one when we stand in the face of sin, when we stand in the face of immorality, when we stand in the face of what we know isn't truth, and we say, for me and my house, we're not being moved. I am not being moved. I am not going to move. I am not going to agree with that. I don't care if it comes from the Pope. I don't care if it comes from the bishop of my denomination. I don't care if it comes from my pastor. I don't care who it comes from. If it's against the truths of God, I am not being moved. That's what God's calling the body of Christ to right now. He's calling us to become truthful and firm. And as I was saying, I was asking the Lord, just sitting, actually I was sitting where, next to where Glenn was over there for a while this morning with my head between my legs and just saying, Lord, how, how do you get that balance that Paul and Peter and Moses had and Jesus had where they had so much love and compassion, but yet when it was strong, they were not moved. They could look at somebody and say, how about Jesus? He said, your father is the devil. He told the Pharisees and the Sadducees. How about Paul? When he, when he blinded the person that was following him behind and heckling him and mocking him and mocking the things of God, and yet he had compassion for that person's soul. That's the kind of power that we need. That's the kind of character that we're called to have right now. Lots of grace, lots of mercy, lots of love, 
but not compromising, not being moved. And we, we will be moved if we don't know the truth of God. And if the truth of God isn't preached and declared and lived, then the sheep get scattered. And we begin to become infected within the body of Christ. The body, Christ is returning, but who's he returning for? What kind of a bride? Which one of us would dare say, and don't tell me, well, we're all washed in the blood and we're spotless and pure. No. No, we're not. We have a defiled bride right now. And the defiled bride is from within. And God is calling us, us, whomever will have an ear to hear, whoever will answer the call in this day, in this hour, in this season, to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. It starts with you and me. It starts with you and me. And so in that sphere, that sphere of the kingdom of God, we have an influence on each other. And what you do and what I do affects not only us. I liken it to this. You know, one of the most amazing things to people in the third world is when you're helping them to get their teeth fixed. And they're considering everything else maybe is a little bit more important than their teeth until you tell them, do you know that one of the greatest causes of a heart attack or heart disease in your life is your teeth, then all of a sudden they want to get their teeth cleaned and fixed. And it becomes important to them. A tooth is a small thing in the body, but it can cause a lot of harm. I don't know about you, but I have an artificial knee. And so anytime I go, even if it's just for, for cleaning of my teeth, I have to take antibiotics beforehand, during, and afterwards. And crazy, crazy amounts of them, like 2,000 milligrams of stuff before I sit in a chair. I think that's crazy. I don't, I don't even like that against my body. And, and I'm, you know, I'm thinking, Lord, I, I think I'm going to quit doing that. Not because I want to tempt the Lord, but I don't like all that stuff getting into my body. So that little tooth can cause a lot of problems. And it causes what? What does it cause if it gets infected? Rejection. Rejection of the transplants within your body. God has transplanted your very spirit, and I'm feeling the presence of God. He's transplanted your soul. He's transplanted your spirit. He's given you a brand new one, a new creation. All things are made new, and every day they're new again. And that one little thing in the body of Christ, that, that one little cancer, that malignancy, causes an infection in the entire body. My brother Gene sent me something the other day, and he couldn't believe that false teaching he was hearing from somebody and uh you know and and i'll say what it was and i agreed with them that you know it's it that 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 it's unholy to take a vaccine well that's not in the scriptures anywhere and he's right he said i asked him where it is in the scripture people need to be getting critical against each other over stuff like that let it go you want it get it you don't want it don't get it don't judge somebody by that there's so many more important things that's a division of the enemy. How many of you know that? How about life? How about life? How about we cry out for the unborn like God has called us to do? December 1, there's going to be that hearing in front of the Supreme Court. And it's on that law in Mississippi. Now, the law in Mississippi is behind the law that just got stayed from Texas. There's such a battle going on with that. The law in Mississippi says that after 15 weeks, you can't have an abortion. 
Because you see, a long time ago, back in the 1990s, it was 28 weeks because they figured a baby couldn't live after 28 weeks. Then it became 25, then 24, then 20. Now, they've said in Mississippi, 15 weeks because there's been births of babies that have lived. So they came with that. But Texas went a step further. They said six weeks. Well, those that are, are against it say, well, that's impossible because a lot of people don't know they're pregnant until six weeks. They're arguing against themselves. Well, if you know you're pregnant after six weeks, what is that? A tumor? What is that? Some foreign alien that crawled inside there and is alive? That's life. So at least at six weeks, you know, you have life. So it got stayed. It went to a liberal federal court judge that was appointed by Obama. He stayed it with a beautiful dissertation of 132 pages. I read about 10 of them and threw it away. It was garbage. And his was all about precedent and bringing everything in. You know, this law about precedent, I want you to understand it. And I, and I spoke about this this week. Precedent is only what we want to make out of precedent. If it was precedent, then we wouldn't have a country because we should have never left the king's country. If it was precedent, slavery would still be law. And it was, Jeff, how long was slavery a law? Your wife knows, you don't know. How long was slavery a law, honey? 150 years, 180 years? It, it was an unwritten law for longer. How about women's suffrage? Women couldn't vote from the founding of the country until the early 1900s. And then even after that, it was hard. So that was precedent. This has only been precedent for 49 years. But it's precedent. We can't touch it. Yes, we can. And God's going to do it. We need to pray. I want to call you to prayer. Now, I'm not asking you to pray about what does God want to do. We know what God wants to do. He's already shown us what he's put in motion to do. He wants us to pray because these liberal judges and these these haters of the unborn children, and, and, you know, they say, well, that's pretty harsh, Pastor Frank. You need to understand their position. I understand it. I don't like it, and I'm not accepting it. You know, it would be like, God forbid, that when my mother was no longer able to take care of herself, we should have just killed her. That's harsh. What's the difference between an old life that we don't want around anymore than a new life that we don't want around anymore. Where does it stop? How about the person that's, that's, that's born with a handicap? They don't have a right to live. They don't have a right to love. There's not a responsibility there. Where does it stop? It's called reproductive rights, really? That's a reproductive right. It's a reproductive responsibility. And so I agree. I agree with a couple of my friends and brothers who have said we need to help the mothers of the unborn children. We need to help them and give them a, a, a greater uh, support system. You know, I'm not one who believes in much about socialized medicine, but the one thing I would agree to is give the unborn mother, the mother who agrees to have that child, pay for that child all the way through and give them enough money to su sustain that child for a year or two. I'd be for that. We're throwing trillions of dollars away for garbage. For garbage for garbage. May as well throw a trillion dollars away for the unborn children. Praise the Lord. And give it to other countries that do it too. Pray, help those, those babies. I'd even say I'll, I'll pay more taxes for that one. 
I'd pay more taxes for that one. So we need to pray. Now, I just want to give you the two points. Anointing. The anointing breaks the oak. And when we go to 1 Samuel chapter 10, we read last week that Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head and kissed him. And this is Saul. And said, is it not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance? I just want to review that with you. The Lord has anointed you. The Lord has anointed you. The Lord has anointed you. I can't anoint you. I can only be a, a transmission of the anointing of the Lord. You can only be the transmission of the anointing of the Lord. Men, and when I say men, I'm talking about the species, male and female. Men can only appoint people. God anoints people. God anoints people. So the prophet Samuel went to anoint according to the Lord. He says, because the Lord has anointed you and you are heirs of the inheritance of God. And remember, we were, we were, this church understands that the abundance of God is our capacity. It's the abundance of God. Everything God has is yours, Jim. Everything. You may not feel it sometimes and you may not feel worthy. Well, guess what? That's called humility. I don't feel worthy of the things of God all the time. You know, I, I've just seen him in, in the little things so much recently in my life. They may not matter much to some people, but they matter a whole bunch to me. I've been looking for a tractor with a brush hog. I need one. I need it. I need to hog some stuff. And the other day I was going out to a septic job and Jimmy was with me and my eye caught something way off the road. An orange Kubota tractor. I've been looking for one. And I said, ah, I got to go. We went up, we went to this site, and I said, Jimmy, I got to go back to that. I think, I'm, I think God answered a prayer. What are you talking about? I said, I think God answered a prayer. And I went back, and it was half the price. Half the price of what I priced out. It, and I offered him less, and he took it. I'm a Jew. He took it. <laughs> and it had a, it had a, it had a, it had a land, a land pride on the back of it. The best the best, a land pride. I said, wow. And it only had 200 hours. And I got it for half the price. It's sitting in my yard right now. When I go home tonight, I'm brush hogging some stuff on my tractor. I'm happy. God answered that prayer. I would have missed it because I caught it out of the corner of my eye. And I don't even know why I saw it because Jimmy will tell you where it was. He, he, he said, would you, I didn't see nothing. What do you, we went back. He said, I don't, what are you talking about? It was behind a tree in a house over there in a corner with a sign on it. With a sign on it. My phone. I had my phone in, in, a, in a place on my, my mower, and, and I, you know, I mow some rough stuff at my house, and I knew better. I lost my phone somewhere out there in the field. I figured, oh, I probably ran over it. I'm going to get, let me go looking for it. Yeah, you're laughing because you've done the same thing. Yeah, it's a bad feeling. And, and uh, I said, Lord, before I go back out, you show me where it is, please. And all of a sudden I hear beep, 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 beep. How many of you know when you get a message or something, your phone beeps? I said, that's my phone. I started looking. It was way down underneath the engine block of my mower in a place where it was kept perfect from being destroyed. The Lord answered my prayer before I said it, before I said it. And I could go on and on with the little things. 
that God is answering, and he's doing it for you too, but we don't pay attention to him. But you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, and I want you to be honest with yourself. What I've realized with me is the closer I walk with him and the more honest I am with myself and with him and with everybody else, the faster my prayers get answered. Huh? 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 Come on. Some of you are going, mm. I'm not judging anybody, but if you're saying my prayers aren't being answered, just maybe, just maybe that's part of the clue. Now, you say, but pastor, you don't understand. You don't know where I'm at. I do know where you're at. Ain't none of you down in a crap tank with me. I know where that's at. I deal with some rough characters every day. They cuss and curse up a storm until I'm in, and then they look at me and they start calming down a little bit because I go like, ooh, please, stop. I understand what it's like to survive in the world, but I don't have to be of that world and neither do you. You need to understand that you're anointed. And wherever you go, you have an influence. Every step you take is part of your strategy, your inheritance as a commander of dominion. Next verse, let me go through real quick. I've got to get at least to verse 3 today. It's only 1125. When you have departed from me today, you will find two men by Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin at Zelza. And they will say to you, the donkeys which you went to look for have been found. And now your father has ceased caring about the donkeys and is worrying about you saying, what shall I do about my son? What he was telling him was, you were on, you thought you were on one strategy. You were on a plan. Your plan was designed by you and your father. You are obeying your father, but your father in heaven has a bigger plan. And even though you're on that plan, be able to God watch. Be able to God look. Be able to God hear. Don't take the stratagem and plan of man, and sometimes you have to let it go. So what he's saying is those donkeys, that plan that you were responsible for, and you say, Pastor, I've got responsibilities. You do, but God has your responsibilities. You understand? I have a lot of responsibilities, sometimes too many. I, my head swims with them. And I've had to learn to say no to some people. You have to learn to say no to yourself and to some people. You can become overwhelmed with taking on responsibilities that deflect you from the plan of God. His father's plan would have deflected him. But the, the prophet of God said, don't worry about it. The donkeys are already gotten in the tomb of Rachel, nearby the Rachel's tomb. And, and, and why Rachel's tomb, by the way? Because Rachel's tomb was the matriarch. She was the matriarch of the promise. She was the one that the seed came forth to carry on the promise of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There's a seed in you that have been planted. And that seed is to bring forth the destiny and the plan of God in you. You might find it by Rachel's tomb. It might be something that was prayed into. Come on, prayed into you by a grandmother, by a mother, by a father, by a brother, by an inheritance and, and a generation you don't even know. I know somewhere, somehow, somebody preceding my mother was praying some stuff into my DNA. I know that right now. I want to meet that person and those people someday when I see them probably some old nasty rabbi up against the wall, back and forth, reading out the Psalms about the seed of the seed. I don't know, but God heard him. God heard him, and God activated it. And that's what we are. We are 
creatures of God. And when we move from the glory of God and we move into power and the anointing of God, he activates everything that's been put in us by him from before the beginning of time. If it's in essence, this is you and this is me. This is everything God has for you. This is the plan of God in your life. And here you are and you're on your life journey. And God is waiting for you to merge with his plan. And along that path, he has put little blessings, little blessings. Get this in your mind. See it, that you have an eternity of plans with God. And each one of these is already destined for you. You have to discover it and claim it. Don't go racing somebody else's stuff. Don't waste your time on somebody else's strategy and plan. God has too much for us. And be very, very particular. At this stage in my life, I am just not going to do anything that I see with a person that has tainted hands. Nothing. Nothing. Because when you do, you're partaking of what they've tainted. Understand how holy God calls us to be. You don't need it. It's a temptation. It's a distraction of the enemy. You think, well, maybe God sent this. If it's tainted, God didn't send it. Huh? God didn't send you fruit that's rotten. God didn't say, eat some fruit that's half rotten. Cut out the rotten part and eat the rest. No, 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 no. God said that the manna I send you in the morning is fresh. It has everything that you need. Don't try to save it because it will rot. And it won't be any good after that. Don't eat that rotten manna. That manna that God gave them had all the nutrients and everything they want became something that was poison for their body if they didn't obey God. Obey God. Obedience is better than sacrifice. A lot of Christians want to sacrifice. You don't need to sacrifice. We need to obey. He sacrificed. I just need to trust him. And I love that song, Trust and Obey. There's no other way. Right, Jeff? How many times did your, your mom and your dad sing that song? Trust and obey. <laughs> you know, they, <laughs> they had it right. They had it right. You know, those writers of those old hymns, they got it right. They were singing from their souls and their spirits what they learned through experience. They weren't watching uh, uh, TBN or Christian Network TV and spawning off of somebody else, man. They were, they, were, they were soaking in the Lord and in the Word of God. So you've got a plan, and on that plan, all those little things are ready for you to discover and take and claim along your path. Don't, don't go past the blessing and not turn around and go get it like I almost did. God answered my prayer. I almost missed it. And I'd already priced out one and was just about ready to pull the trigger to pay twice as much because I needed it. But I didn't need it that bad. God had, I could sell that right now and make money. Ha! <sighs> Think about it. That's how good God is to us. He cares about every little thing about you. So, next verse. This is the one I want to get to, and I'm going to quit with it. Then you shall go, go forward from thence, and there, and you shall come to the terebinth tree of Tabor. There three men, 
going up to God at Bethel will meet you, one carrying three young goats, another carrying three loaves, and another carrying a skin of wine. Now, I know I went over some of this, but I just felt I wanted to embellish it and do it stronger because I was sort of rushing when I did it. I want to talk to you a minute about the terebinth tree. Do you, do you know what a terebinth tree is? I didn't. I must have read that a zillion times, and I've seen tens of thousands of them in Israel. That's the most common tree in Israel. It's called the terebinth tree. And um, it comes from the genus. If you understand the genus, that's like the family of trees of something or the family of a species. Guess what it's called? You're going to know exactly what this is the minute that I write this down. This is the genus. What kind of fruit does that genus give you? Pistachios. Pistachio trees. Do you ever wonder why a lot of Mideastern pastries have pistachios in them with honey and stuff? Because that's what came from the land. Honey and pistachio trees for nuts. And one of the names, it's called a God name. It has a God name. And there's a God factor in a pistachio tree because it comes from the root of a word that says Elah, 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 Elah. And Elah is, is the name of this tree in Hebrew, and there's choice fruits that come from it, and it's from the land of Canaan. And that's where uh, God told Jacob to take his sons back to Egypt was under one of these terebinth trees. Do you know when Absalom had had uh, rebelled against his father, the king, and he had a gruesome death, didn't he? He was riding along, supposedly in a horse, I guess, and his long, wavy, beautiful hair, he was a good-looking guy, got caught up in a terebinth tree and killed him. God told Saul, go to the terebinth tree. And after that, he said, you're going to find your destiny. Why did the terebinth tree? Because if you look, it had significance of many things. And it was a place where God did some wonderful things with the people of God. Uh, you don't have to turn there, but in the example, there's a Jeremiah 17, verse 1. The sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron and with the point of a diamond. It is graven upon the table of the heart and upon the horns of your altars while your children remember their altars and their groves by the green trees upon the high hills, the terebinth trees. The terebinth trees are all the way through this. Now, funny thing about terebinth trees. If you knew Israel back in the day, uh, I didn't know it in 1948. I knew it in early 80s. And to this day, if you want to bless Israel, you plant a tree. One of the trees you plant is a terebinth tree. And when the terrorists are trying to destroy Israel, what are they attacking? Their trees. They send forth balloons, helium balloons, and balloons filled that have flammable liquids in them that ignite when they land on these trees to burn down their forests. There's something a little sacred about that, isn't it? Because God is in the tree. There's also something, it's a symbiosis that God created. And it's a, a very strange symbiosis. It's a little uh, insect. And this insect attaches itself to the leaves of the, of the tree. 
and because they're low and bushy, many of them, these things find themselves and they're actually in a relationship with this pistachio tree. And these little creatures are called slavum. Doesn't that sound like something? They're slavum. And these little things attach themselves and incubate on the leaves and only of that tree. And then they're nourished by the leaves of that tree. But there's an opening that comes in the gall. And the ones that like to eat those trees the most are the goats. The goats. The goats try to eat the trees. And uh, God put a symbiosis to protect those trees. And that's why the most anointed and popular tree in Israel are these terebrins. Now, there's many different types of trees. One of them is a pistachio. It's the whole genus. But to protect those trees from being destroyed by the livestock and even people, he put this little symbiosis in it with this bug called a slavum. Something happens from the slavum. Just the whiff of these galls, these things that are birthed, smells so bad that even the goats won't eat it. Now, when a goat says something stinky, that's stinky. I don't know how many of you ever had a goat, but my goat was stinky. Smell like a goat, right? Most goats never had a bath in their life. Those little organisms are so stinky that even the goats can't touch them. Saul, go under the terebrinth tree. Get a lesson. Understand how the enemies will try to eat away at the fruit that God has given you. But God will put you in a symbiotic relationship with himself that the enemy won't like it when they try to eat your fruit. God will repel them for you. Unless, of course, you're a stinky goat. You'll still try to eat it. God is separating the sheep from the goats. And he's in a symbiotic relationship with us right now. And he's saying, fluff off the slavum. Blow them off. Shake them off. Get rid of the slavum. So when we're challenged by people, I get challenged all the time. Do you know there's more schemes in the body of Christianity than there are in the world? In the, in, in, in the body of Christianity, people get away with it. Brothers and sisters, well, I'm not going to sue them. Forget it. I'm walking away. But in the world, they get sued. If they happen to be on Wall Street, they go to jail. If they get caught, if you're not the right person. But in the body of Christianity, there's one scheme after another scheme after another scheme. Some of them have to do with the business of ministry. If you give me $1,000 today, God's going to answer your prayer. That's a scheme. That's a slavum. Shake it off. Because if you know the truth of God, he's already going to bless you. Not because you gave him $1,000 and bought your way, but because you honor him with your tithe all the time. Because you bless God with obedience, with your heart, with your service, and you're obedient to the call of God along your steps. So, point number two and three, and this is it, I'm closing. I got us this far, but it's important. First of all, we talked about the anointing. It's got to be the anointing. 
You must preserve your anointing. Protect it like it's a treasure that God has given you. Too many of us, we spoil our anointing. Doesn't mean you can't have it back, the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. But you can spoil your anointing. Just maybe if your prayers aren't being answered, don't look at God and say, Lord, what's wrong with you? Look at me and say, what's wrong with me? Hmm? That's what I have to do. For a long time, I bought into that talisman that all of everything I'm doing is covered by the blood. It doesn't matter what I do. I'm still covered. Yeah, I've been washed through the blood, but I can defile the blood. That's not true. That's not true. Paul, listen, remember we were talking about Paul? This is what he cried out to the people that he founded as a church when he went back and saw how they were defiling the blood of God. He said, stop sinning as if you crucify the Lord again. That's how he dealt with it. That's how he saw it. When I read that and interned that inside of myself and really believed it, I start shaking when I get tempted to sin. Because I say, I'm crucifying the Lord all over again. That's the metric that Paul put for himself. Which one of you, and I know none of you would, would grab a knife and stick it in Lord Jesus on the cross? That's what we do when we sin, when we're disobedient. So we stop. We ask him to help us. There's addictions. There's problems. God will get us through them. He understands. But we have to have a heart that says, I'm going to do my part. I'm going to be honest before you, Lord, and, 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 and give me more strength. Give me more help. Give me more people. Let me be honest. God loves honesty. He's the truth, the light. He's the way. He's truth. His word is truth. But even beyond that, his spirit is truth. The spirit of truth anoints us. So, anointing. The other one, as, as, as he told Saul, leave behind. Take care. He'll take care of unfinished business. Verse 2, when you're done, forget about the donkeys. I got it. It's over with. Don't look back. Onward, upward, forward. Move on. You know, beloved, I got to say it again. I know I'm, I'm dragging a little bit, but this is important. Moving on isn't about geography. Very rarely is it about geography. People make it about geography. It's about moving from a glory to a glory. It's about moving on spiritually. It's about changing a pattern of life. That's really what it's about. God wasn't concerned about where Saul was really moving geographically. It was how he aligned himself. He was concerned about him moving on, moving on from his father's house to his father's house. Moving on for you and I. Letting go of the unfinished business. Let it go. Let it go. I'm telling you to this day, one of the hardest things for me to ever do was to walk away from a music career. It was hard. 
I'd worked on it since I was 12 years old. Finally had the album. It was done. It was done by masterful musicians. All produced, ready to come out. Branded. Tour. God intervened and I got saved. I couldn't do it. It was so hard to walk away. But I thank God again this morning saying, Lord, thank you that you gave me the courage and strength to walk away from something that I wanted so bad. And he said these words to me. I found you faithful, my son. I found you faithful. That's the Lord's heart to you and me when we're saying, I'll let it go. That's faithful. Faithful. God's looking for us to be faithful in the big things and the small things and in everything. Just be faithful. He'll do the rest. And yeah, Sometimes we don't want to let go of stuff. We don't want to let go of it. But if we know it's not the right thing in our life, ask him to get you to be faithful. And then this, the number three. Now you shall go to the terebinth tree. You're going to meet three men. We talked about it last week. The important thing about it, the terebinth tree is a place that God takes you to. It's a place of next. And in that place is all the provisions. The three men, they got the goats, they got the bread, they got the skin of wine. They're going to give you a double portion to take with you. But to go to the place of next, you got to move you got to leave something behind. And you got to preserve the anointing. Move. Leave. Hold on to the anointing. You know, any of you could find a message that's not as challenging as this one. <laughs> Just turn on your television. You'll get your socks motivated off of you. Telling you how great you are. How great God is, that's good. We want to talk about great God. But very few call us to repentance and holiness. And you know what? That's what we need. All that other stuff is just cream on the cake. That's all it is. It's delusional. And that's what's being fed to people today. Delusion. Something about delusion, it comes with dilution. <laughs> it dilutes the very power of the Spirit of God and the anointing. So, beloved, as much as, you know, I have a dear friend and he pretty much put his message on the side to become a motivational speaker and uh, what do they call it um, when, when they go and they counsel businesses? What's that called? Help me out. Y'all, somebody's got it. What's it called? No, more than a consultant. They're motivationals, but 
there's another word for it. It'll come to me. My friend hung it up. Very powerful preacher. Coach. Coach. It's called a coach. Came a coach to the secular world, using the principles of God, but for a different purpose. Made a lot of money doing it. Last time he was in my presence, I was shocked. He said, I wish I had what you have. I said, what are you talking about, man? You got four houses, you got an airplane. You got, what are you talking about? You wish I had what I had. He says, no, you got this. He was talking about faithfulness. Faithfulness. Sometimes your gifts can become your curse. Sometimes your gifts. How many faith healers have you seen fall? of the gift how many great speakers have you seen get in trouble how many men and women have we seen fall out of their marriages in the grace of God because of their gifts because of their wealth because of their charisma because of how they could speak and you know what one of the most tantalizing things of all is the hardest thing for us to overcome is when people do this for us. <laughs> Ooh. Wow. That's addicting. That's addicting. The affirmation of people, the applause of people, the compliments of people, that's addicting. That's real addicting. And pretty soon, someone could be led to pursue that more than God. To God be the glory. So, now that I've put a big damp cloth on your spirits, let me lift it up and tell you that if you've sat through this message and I didn't see anybody get up and walk out, I saw a few go to the back, high back there. Hello. Yes, I see you. Um, and if you, you didn't turn me off, then that means that something's provoked your spirit. And I just want to invite you. This isn't just one of those mushy, I'm just going to rededicate myself to the Lord things. How many, how many of you know that some people rededicate themselves to the Lord every week? Sometimes every day. Many times every Sunday. And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. No. This is really saying, Lord, fillet my heart. Just fillet it wide open. How many of you are hunters and you know how to fillet out in the field? It's not pleasant, but you got to do it. You got to do it right. You got to get it done. Field dressing is an art. The Holy Spirit wants to field dress us right now. And He just wants us to say, Lord, here I am. My God, Lord, don't let me be a cancer to the body of Christ. Help me. No condemnation. I rebuke that thought, that spirit. I hear some of it right now. In the name of Jesus, no condemnation in Jesus Christ. When we come to the cross, and we come to the cross all the times that we need, Scripture says if you sin, confess your sin, and He is just, He is just, He is just to forgive us. Thank God I can eat that every day, and Lord knows I do. I don't practice sin. 
I practice repentance. Listen to me. You're not a sinner. You're a repenter. Ah. You're not a sinner. That's religion. That's a false humility. You're a repenter. That's truth before God. So just take a moment. Take a moment right now. Close your eyes if you will. Just allow the Holy Spirit. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is all over this house. I prayed this specific anointing to be released this morning from the Lord in this house the same way he did upon me. It's in this time and in this place to fillet our hearts, to fill dress us. As surely as I'm talking to you, some of you, even next week and the following week, you're going to be lured away to other things by other people. It's like a fish that sees the sparkling hook in the water, the lure that is there for nothing but to snag that fish to be pulled out of the water. You will have those lures put in your life next week and the following week. Remember this message. Remember this sermon. Remember this anointing. Be truthful. Say, no, I'm not falling for it. I'm going to hold on. I'm going to move on from a glory to a glory. I'm not going to take steps backward. I won't move until I move forward, but I will not go backward. Pray it right now. With every eye closed, every head bowed, If you say, Pastor, you've hit home. You've hit the bullseye in my life right now. I just want you to put your hand up. I'm not going to, I see it. Wow. Keep them up just for a moment. Everybody keep your eyes closed. Those that are there, I'm going to ask you to stand up if you're at home and you can. Stand up. Do something different. You can put your hands down. Yes, you can stand up here too. Please stand up. If you put your hand up, I want you to stand up. I want you to stand up right where you are. I want you to stand up right where you are. In fact, listen, I'm going to ask you to come up because I prayed an anointing on this altar just for that today, for to break, to break those through. And I want you to see who's standing with you on this altar. It's me. I'm standing with you on this altar. I'm humbling myself and saying, Lord, there are some things that I know that I'm not even sure of what they are that I want to let go of. There's some things in my life. There's some things in my conscience, some things in my soul. That's all right, Eddie. You can stay right there. Joe, leave Eddie right there. Eddie, stay right there. You're good. You're good. You'd be comfortable right where you're at. I know you'd come racing. You don't need to. I prayed all over that chair. I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to do something prophetic. I want you to put your hand on this altar. I prayed the fire on this altar this morning. I laid on this altar. I sat on this altar. I prayed on this altar. I asked the Lord to make it even as Leanne sang, a fire on the altar of God. A fire on the altar of God. A fire on the altar of God. And if you're saying, Pastor, I just don't want to come up, but I'm agreeing I got some stuff, Just put your hand up and then put it back down. I understand if you don't want to come up. It's okay. I got it. I got it. It's not about us seeing visually before God. It's about God seeing your heart. God seeing your heart. Ralph, Kim, Dave, Jeff, Cheryl, come up here. Get up behind these people. Start praying up a storm. 
Start praying up a storm. Bo Sherrills, get up here. Get up here. Begin to just walk back and forth. Walk back and forth behind these people. Praising, 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 praying and praising. The power of God. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. It's the anointing that moves us forward and upward. It's the anointing that says, let go of what was and move on, move on. Move on, hey! It's the anointing that takes the eraser out. It takes away those edicts, those verdicts, those covenants. The Holy Spirit is saying, some of us need to break old covenants. Old covenants we've made. Soul ties we've made. The Lord says, break them, break them, break them in Jesus' name right now. Break those generational soul ties. It's okay to honor your father and to honor your mother, but do not honor the things that they might have passed on down to you that aren't, aren't of God. You honor them, you don't honor the things. Some of us got to break loose of those things. Break loose of them. Loosen, loosen. Prayer warriors, pray for the loosening. Pray for the loosening of God. Pray for the loosening of God. Pray, 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 pray. Whoosh. Here we are, Lord. Here we are. Here we are. Here we are, Lord. You do it. You do it, Father, by spirit. By spirit, Lord, you do it. You do it. You do it. You do it. There's somebody watching me right now. Your name's Jake. The Lord says, Jake, take those drugs and flush them down the toilet right now. Right now, right now. Don't worry about how much money it is. And don't worry about what you're going to own the drug dealer. God will take care of it. He'll find the donkeys. Flush it. Flush it right now. Flush it. Flush it. Curse it. Thank you, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Father, I ask you, Lord, to stir up the anointing in each and every person here and there and everywhere that is opening our hearts to you and saying, Lord, you do it. You do it, Father. You do it, Lord. You do it, Lord. You do it, Lord. You do it, Father. You do it, Lord. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Hasha Sakaye, Hisha Sakoye, Shasakoye, Shata Satara, Shasa, Hushu, Shushu, Shu, Shisakoye, Shasaye, Rototo, Shisakariata, Shisakaria, Totoro, Toroto, Shisakoria, Shasakoria, Shasai, Shisayate, by the name of the Lord God Jesus. 
we annul every covenant of lie, every covenant of deceit, every covenant of delusion that has been put upon the people here and the people there and the people there. We don't believe the lies. We are greater than the lies. We're not those people that even our minds and our conscience and our history tells us we are. We are not those people in Jesus' name. We're new creatures, and we're made new again right now, right now. And we are not bound by the things of old. We're not bound by them anymore. No more. No more. They're broken. They're broken. They're broken. And Father, I ask you a big thing, but it's small for you. I ask you, Lord, to reconcile relationships, many relationships, Lord. And do this, Father, as a witness, as a testimony, as a miracle, as a miracle, Lord God, in people's lives right now of answered prayer, answered prayer, hands that are holy, hearts that are humble, spirits on fire, consciences no longer seared. Father, I ask you to take away seared consciences in the name of Jesus. No more. No more. No more. I speak to spirits right now and say, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. You, you are the righteousness of God. You are the righteousness of God. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. The righteousness of God. The righteousness of God. The righteousness of God. Loosened in spirits faith growing faith growing lord confidence growing lord peace 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 in the spirit peace lord peace spirit peace lord peace lord peace lord peace lord peace peace Pace del Signore. Pace del Signore. Pace del Signore. Peace. Peace, O Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, for those here at the altar, those of you there, those of you online, I want us to go back and do one more thing prophetic with ourselves. You can stand up here at the altar, please. It's okay. If you can't, that's fine too. Stay where you are. I want you to put your hands back up. I want you to go back to the left. And I want you now to say it again. I'm moving. I'm moving. I'm moving from a glory to a glory. I'm leaving behind those things. I'm loosening those things. The ties are broken. They no longer have anything to do with me. They are gone. They are gone. They are gone. They are gone. And I'm moving outward. I'm moving onward. I'm moving upward to my high calling. In Christ Jesus, amen. amen. Give the Lord a hand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, when you go home, measure yourself. I think whoever did that grew at least an inch today. You grew at each, an inch in stature. Some of that weight gone. Isn't it wonderful in the house of God when the weight is taken off our shoulders? Isn't that wonderful? Leave it here at the altar. Don't take it back with you. Leave it here in the church. We know how to get rid of it. We'll cleanse it right out of here. Don't worry about it. It'll go with the garbage heap. Just leave that garbage here. Same thing at home. Leave it. Leave it. Leave it. You may be seated, please. Oh, bless the Lord. I think my ear came back. I'm not sure. Partially back. Okay. I was telling Jeff the one blessing out of it was I didn't even have to cover my, cover my ear to do harmonies. <laughs> it was already covered, so it was like, oh, I, I could hear myself. Yeah. Oh, bless the Lord. I want to take an offering, please. If you'd like an envelope, please put your hand up. You will see that in the church as you walk in, we have two offering boxes now. Sometimes people just want to put them in. Sometimes we forget to ask or whatever it is. There's envelopes there. You can get one yourself on the way in. You could put it in there if you'd like. My prayers will transition to that completely soon so that we don't, uh, we just mention the offering and teach about it. And you already have your envelopes and you could just put them in there uh, when you'd like. That's what we want to transition into. You know, we're, we're always transforming here, aren't we? Uh, it was a glorious night here last night. Thank you, Ralph and Kim and Dave and the worship team. Those of you who are participated, uh, it was a glorious time. You know, we're sort of cutting a new path. The worship was good. Uh, Ralph brought a good message. Dave had a, a word, a prophetic word and prayer. Um, and we're just finding our way. We're just finding our way and letting the Lord take us in that path where he's going to take us. And so we believe God for that. We saw some, I saw a few people I'd never seen before. So that was a good thing in the sense that uh, they're beginning to get a taste of Touch Heaven on our Touchstone Encounter service. So spread the word, Saturday night, 6 o'clock. Um, it's a good thing if you can make it. We, we got done before 8, and there was pizza too. There's pizza in the house. People were eating pizza when I left. And, uh, oh, while we're passing the offering, has everybody got an envelope? A few wonderful things happened yesterday. Now, forgive me, because I got a lot of friends in Alabama, but Alabama lost. <laughs> oh, come on. Alabama, I'm so tired of Alabama being number one. You know, I was praying for Saban, saying, Lord, bless him. Well, he needed humbled a little bit, I guess, right? And uh, Ohio State won. That was a good thing. That was another good thing. So for those of you who don't care, then the heck with you. But, uh, <laughs> but I was happy. Gene, I left church, and I still went home and watched the rest of the Alabama game, and I knew I had to get up at 4.30, 5 o'clock. And I just kept feeling like even, I said, I don't think they're going to win. And, and my, my little grandson, Zach, well, he's not little. He's as big as I am now. He told me earlier, Papa, he says, I think Alabama's going to lose. The little boy's a prophet. I don't know what he is, but they lost. Yeah. Okay, I'll leave it be. Browns play at 4 o'clock today. When's the Steelers play? Both of them are at 4? The Browns are at 4. What about the Steelers? Huh? Steelers are at 1 o'clock. Well, 
okay. You know, in this, in this area, you've got to go either way. Steelers and Browns, people get mad at you, so I, I'm not going to tell you where I'm really at. It's all good. You see, we can talk football. Football's good. How many of you know God's in football? How many of you ever coached? You know God's in coaching. I had a young pastor tell me once I was coaching high school football. He says, well, why do you think you're praying for your team? Why, why wouldn't God be blessing the other team? I said, I don't know about the other team, but I know where I'm coaching at, and that's where I'm praying for God to bless. That's what I know. And guess what? We won the state championship. So, you know, <laughs> praise God. And I had one statement for my people. When, my, when our kids held hands and we went down, and we had one, they all got it. I am one, but I am only one. I can't do everything, but I can do something. And that I can do, I ought to do, and by the grace of God, I shall do it. That's what we said every time, and we would break huddle and go on out and kick some tail. So by the grace of God, God is in everything. Don't, don't think God is not in this and not in that. God's got your lawnmower. God's got your family. God's got your business. God's got your car. God's got everything. He's got everything. God is in everything. The only thing that keeps God out of it is us. We think, oh, God's so busy, I don't need to bother him with that. Really? That's stupidity. That's ignorance. God is so big that we can't overload him. You understand that? You can't overload God. And he just likes to answer your prayers. Think of it, last thing, I just got this. Think of it this way. God answers a prayer, he doesn't have to keep it up there anymore. It's gone. You're helping God out. Hello? Hello? Hello, God answered a prayer. He doesn't need to keep it there. It's gone. It's out of the vial. He pours that vial out. There's more room. Okay, forget about it. Father, I pray and bless these blessings. Thank you for the abundance. Thank you, Father, for what you've given us that we can give back to you. And I pray, Father, tremendous blessings, tremendous blessings, tremendous blessings. Greens, you've got some blessings coming. And that's why you've got people trying to take you into some other stuff. Don't go. You got blessings coming. You don't need to chase any other worms. Those blessings are coming, beloved daughter and sister. They're coming because God has found you faithful. The Lord says, I have found you faithful. I'm going to say it again to you, and I want you to receive it. I have found you faithful. Receive it in Jesus' name. Be blessed. Watch what the Lord will do. You're going to be so surprised. You're going to be so shocked. Some of the things you've been praying for are going to fall right in your lap. And you're going to say the windows of heaven opened up. The windows of heaven opened up because you've been found faithful. Faithful. Bless you. Bless you too. You too, my daughter. You got some prayers and blessings coming. You can give your husband a little nudge be next to you. You better, you better snuggle in close to her. She's got some favor coming in her life. Yeah. You better hold on to that bride because you got some favor coming from her. Not from you. From her. I'm, okay, I'm just the... From you, you got favor coming in your life. I see that you got favor coming in your life. Favor's coming in your life because God has found you faithful. That's you. Don't look away. That's you. Yeah, that's you. Raise those eyebrows. That's you. Yeah, that's you. Favor. 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 I just keep getting favor. 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 Jess, you got so much coming to you, honey. Don't chase that little sparkling lure that's going to be put out in front of you soon. Don't chase it. It'll try to snag you and pull you to this and pull you to that. You make sure you take the steps the Lord has for your sweetheart because you are like a pure gem before God. That's who you are. You're a pure gem before God. You're refreshing. 
before the Lord. You're refreshing before Him. When you have some time, read the Song of Solomon. It's got your fingerprints all over it. It's got your fingerprints all over it. Your mom can teach it to you. She knows it well. Don't you? Yes, you do. We're a wonderful family. I'm getting all mushy. I'm getting all mushy because I just feel the presence and the peace and the love of the Lord so tremendously, so tremendously in this house. I don't want to let go of it. I'll probably come back here and bask in this place. You know, if you ever have some time and you come in and the door's open uh, and the lights are down in here, just come sit in the sanctuary and soak in the music, soak in the worship. There's something very special, something very special here. I've had more than a few people tell me they walk through these doors, they feel the presence of God and the Spirit. Nothing's like it when you're alone and it's dark in here and the Lord's just moving peacefully. Peace, peace. Tremendous peace. Harry, it's Pacia del Signore. Pacia del Signore. Somebody said when I talk too soft, they can't hear me. Pacia del Signore. Father, thank you for the blessings. We give them back up to you. Bless our churches everywhere. Bless Bishop Vincent and his wife and our grandchildren over there. Bless Anwar and Nita and our grandchildren there and our churches in the diaspora. Pastor Tori and his wife, our churches in India. Bless them, Father. Bless our people everywhere they are on all sides of the world. Bless them all. Thank you for these offerings. Thank you, Lord. You take them. You prosper them. You return them a hundredfold to your people, Lord, pressed down and abundant in many ways. Be blessed. And now, Father, let your glory be with us, go before us, be around us. Order our footsteps on our journey to our destiny this week. Let us see the little things and the big things. Let them manifest before us in our lives as we collect the inheritance that you have for us. We give you all the glory, Father. We know we can do nothing ourselves. We, Father, humble ourselves before you, and we thank you for you, our Lord Jesus. We thank you for the love of the Father. We thank you for the presence and the peace and the truth and power of the Holy Spirit. Be blessed, O Lord, in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for uh, staying. You could have left if you wanted. Okay. <laughs>